0: If this thing is necessary, we will naturally go through with it. Comes words from the prison diary of Rose Winslow, one of the members of the National Woman's Party on a hunger strike in 1917. They subjected themselves to forced feedings and solitary confinement for the cause of gaining the vote for women in the United States. Force is so stupid weapon, she writes. I feel so happy doing my bit for decency. Another excerpt. The women are all so magnificent, so beautiful. Alice Paul, who was their moral leader, is in the psychopathetic ward. She dreaded forcible feeding frightfully, and I hate to think how she must be feeling I had a nervous time of it, gasping a long time afterward, and my stomach rejecting during the process. I spent a bad, restless night, but otherwise I am all right. The poor soul who fed me got liberally besprinkled during the process. I heard myself making the most hideous sounds. One feels so forsaken when one lies prone and people shove a pipe down one's stomach This morning, but for an astounding tiredness, I am all right. All the officers here know we are making this hunger strike that women fighting for liberty may be considered political prisoners. We have told them. God knows we don't want other women ever to have to do this over again. God knows we don't want other women ever to have to do this over again. It took nearly 100 years of advocacy, protests, cajoling, convincing, and ultimately enough men in leadership positions to vote to pass the 19th Amendment, which secures the vote for women in this nation. It took 60 more years for all the states to agree. 12 states were not in agreement on that summer day, August 26, 1920. In fact, it was not until March 22, 1984 that the remaining holdout state, Mississippi, affirmed the constitutional right to vote, for women to vote. Now we know Mississippi as well as the place for the 1964 June murder of three civil rights workers, James Earl Cheney, Andrew Goodman, and Michael Schwerner, as they were working on the Freedom Summer campaign, helping African Americans register to vote. I would say that we certainly do not want anyone to ever have to go through that again, either. And yet we take our choice to vote rather lightly on a national scale. In midterm elections, another of which is coming up this Tuesday, about 40% of registered voters on average actually cast a ballot. And that's those who are eligible and registered to vote. According to the Voting Participation Center, 39% of unmarried women who are eligible are not registered. 51% of people between 18 and 29 are not registered. 37% of African Americans and 48% of Latinos who are eligible are not registered. And according to the U.S. Census Bureau in 2012, approximately 12 cents of Caucasians are eligible, were eligible, and not registered. We all know that there are many reasons why people do not register to vote or, when registered, choose not to vote. And I suppose those who have put their lives at stake to promote the freedom to vote help make it possible for people to choose to vote or not to vote. Rose Winslow did not endure prison and forced feeding so that I could vote. She did it so that the system of democracy would flourish for all people, including me. I should not vote because of Rose. I should vote because I agree that democracy is an important institution. It's an important system that I can lift up gratitude to Rose and the many others, Andrew. Because vote became possible. Cheney, Goodwin, and Schwerner did not die to give African-Americans access to vote but to call our nation to account on realizing the challenge of equality that our democratic republic demands. They put their lives on the line for a system which when properly treated upholds us all. A system that runs by participation A system of government by the people, for the people, and of the people. All people. All of us. Democracy cannot include us unless we choose to be included. Democracy cannot thrive unless we choose to stop measures for exclusion. The possibility of this choice has been won by sweat, blood, fierce advocacy, and ultimate sacrifice. It is a precious choice to vote that too many of us take for granted. There are easy reasons for not voting plenty of roadblocks to put in our way, plenty of cynical stands that we think show our sophistication. There are no good choices. My voice doesn't count. I can't take the time. I don't know where to go to vote. It doesn't matter who gets elected. They're all the same. We can justify our lack of participation in countless ways. Obstacles are created as well to make it harder for people to vote. There are those in power who seek power, who count on our lack of attention in order to manipulate the system to make it harder to exercise our choice to vote. Not as hard as force-feeding, folks, (laughs) or as devastating as murder, but difficult nonetheless. Voter ID laws, gerrymandering, the lack of truth in advertising, and unfettered campaign financing all corrupt the ideal of a level playing field and equal access to our democracy. Saying recently, that money is speech, so that now a dollar is more important than a voice because, of course, you can accrue more dollars against one voice. But it is our choice, nonetheless, to nourish the system or allow it to dissolve. It is our choice to pay attention to what's happening or allow it to go by the wayside. When we're given the freedom and responsibility to participate, we have choices to make on how to use our relational power. Do we coerce or cooperate? Do we manipulate or persuade? Do we educate ourselves or do I let others dictate our choices? Do we pay attention or do we just let things slide by? Do we participate, or do we remove ourselves from the process? In 2012, when all ballots were tallied, some 93 million eligible citizens did not vote. The cynicism, despair, and apathy that has infected nearly half of the nation's voting population reveals not only a troubling lack of responsibility and humility towards the enterprise of democracy, it reveals a misunderstanding of the core value of democracy. The core value of democracy is the inherent worth of the individual. Democracy honors the collective endeavor by claiming that each participant is essential to the full understanding of the whole of our lives together. That understanding became clearer to residents in Ferguson, Missouri, when a tragic shooting death of an unarmed black teenager by a police officer helped people see that the civic power structure in place does not represent the context of their lives. And we don't know exactly what happened that fateful day, but we do know that people woke up to the fact that there was a feeling of powerlessness. According to USA Today, more than 3,000 people have registered to vote in Ferguson, Missouri since the de- that death in August of Michael Brown. 3,000 people. People have realized that their voice needs to be represented in the forming of systems of government and law enforcement. All of us are participants in our society whether we actually act on that fact or not. Choosing to do nothing is doing something. And democracy only works if people nurture it, honor it, protect it for the entire community. It only works if we understand the imperative of living together. Sometimes that means a vibrant cooperation. Sometimes that means a challenging coexistence. Sometimes that means being a part of a minority whose collective voice needs strengthening and strategies for advocacy. Sometimes that means being part of a majority that needs to listen to people unlike themselves. Democratic process is part of our fifth principle of Unitarian Universalism. We have seven principles and the fifth one centers around democracy because it supports a system of relating that can promote one's inherent dignity which is what inspires our individual contributions of sacred knowing to the larger wisdom. Each of us has our own unique understanding of the meaning of life and the worth of life. So we agree that all of us coming together will come to a larger understanding of the whole. This comes from the core belief that the creation of peace and goodwill among all can only arise if all participates, participants are involved in its becoming. Now, we're far from perfect at this, and we may yet find a better system for a healthier world, but we know that the spirit of democracy brings out enormous potential for that healthier world. It's the best vision we have come up with so far. This is a flexible nation, One that continues to form and reform itself with the ideal of freedom and liberty as its guiding light. The founders of this nation seeded a remarkable system of checks and balances, depth and breadth, that keeps the original ideal and spiritual principle of democracy within the dialogue. This spirit compelled the system beyond the founders' assumptions of white male land ownership to a rich and diverse citizenry regardless of race, sex, and ethnicity. And we also, of course, had to go into a representative government, but the underlying spirit is the spirit of democracy. Now is a crucial time for that spirit of democracy to be upheld, nurtured, and generated in our daily lives because this nation is ripe with divisions, bubbling with diverse mandates, seething with ill feelings, and struggling with distrust. Democracy is not easy. It calls for civic responsibility. In a democratic civic culture, each citizen is a thread within the texture of the life of the society. And this vision of democracy is a spiritual legacy. The truth of equal being is a spiritual truth that calls for trust beyond experience, you know trust beyond what we say we know that there's equal being even if we don't quite see it yet sight beyond judgment acceptance beyond assumption and welcome beyond the need for power it's a truth that cannot be proved unless we are willing to believe it and see it the people of every country are the only safeguardians of their own rights wrote thomas jefferson and are the only instruments which can be used for their destruction. It is an axiom in my mind that our liberty can never be safe, but in the hands of the people themselves, he wrote. That's a sacred calling, a sacred calling for us to answer. Andrew Young, 20th century civil rights advocate and Unitarian, once commented, Having personally watched the Voting Rights Act being signed into law that August day, 1965, I can't begin to imagine how we could have all been so wrong in believing that more Americans would vote once they were all truly free to do so. Democracy calls for the spiritual discipline of interdependence. It only works if we all are involved in it to live together we've created a culture of name calling and demonization polarizing each other on single issues or simplistic assumptions of what others are about we also have the luxury of turn tuning in only to people we agree with whether on television or the radio or the smartphone we now have siloed information highways we're creating two dimensional interchanges in the flat, stagnant energy of either or. This diminishes the intrigue of interchange. It discards difference, which is the catalyst of learning, and decreases discovery, which gives us chances to learn something new and see beyond ourselves. And this is dangerous because we do tend to be a myopic species, we tend to forget the larger picture. What we are diminishing is the essential strength of the democratic principle which upholds the unemployed worker and the president, the at-home parent and the CEO, the firefighter and the school teacher, all of equal importance, all a part of the whole. No one is going to dismantle this system of government unless we do. There's one of those siloed effects. (laughs) (laughs) No one can take away this that we have for one another unless we do. As a nation, as a citizenry, as a people, it's ours. Pioneers and brave idealists made it so citizens of all walks of life are eligible to vote. If we don't participate this system of government, we will teach that it is not important. If we don't block that which would dismantle it, then it will fade into history books as an experiment by a people not yet ready to take on its beauty. I think we're ready. I think we can keep track of its worth and beauty. I think we can keep it alive for the sake and spirit and responsibility of freedom for all. Let's do that, I pray. Amen.